This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, as we've been talking about tomorrow, the lawyers for the City of Toronto and four other parties will be in court to challenge Premier Ford's decision to cut City Council to 25 seats. Legal arguments were submitted yesterday afternoon. So what is likely to happen there and how long is it going to take to move this along? Right now, we are going to John Mascaran. He's an expert in municipal law and a partner at Aired Bearless. Hello there, John. Hi, Libby. How you doing? Fine. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Well, Everything that I've been hearing so far is that this is kind of a, a faint hope, uh, last-ditch attempt by the people who are challenging this new law. And I would agree with you, Libby. Uh, it is a, a, a faint hope. I've given the, uh, the chances, the prospects of success uh, for the city and the other applicants at a pretty minimal level. I think the province does hold all the cards here, and constitutionally, the province has the authority to do precisely what they're doing. Uh huh. What about the argument uh, that uh, I believe that in the City of Toronto Act, uh, it it you know allows for consultation for changes. There were no consultation for changes, and it is. I don't even know about the argument about in the midst of a campaign, because why is this campaign so much longer than other campaigns? Yeah, uh, I've, I've always said that I thought the city had at least an arguable uh, argument on that point, because Section 1 of the City of Toronto Act clearly says the province shall consult. You have to read just a little further, though, and uh, my partner pointed this out to me. He says, well, it has to be read in conjunction with the agreement, and the agreement that they've entered into puts pretty precise limits limits on how much you can expand that. And the, I think the province has answered back that, uh, that, that matter very well by saying you can't have any legal rights flowing from any non-consultation. So while I, are, I would argue the spirit of that clause is not maintained, I think I'd be hard-pressed to say that the actual technical requirements aren't fulfilled. And uh, I think, again, the province is probably right on their point. Uh-huh. What do you, no legal rights uh, flowing from non-consultation means no recourse, basically. That's right. That means because uh, it, it, they didn't consult doesn't mean that the legislation is invalid. That's essentially what the province is arguing. I think they're right. Okay, I'm going to give the numbers out again. I know there were some people who wanted to weigh in on this. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. I'm talking to John Mascaran, who's an expert in municipal law. And th- there's also this uh, strange uh, consequence, I guess, that if the city should win, uh, the word is that they couldn't uh, get to uh, put on an election with the 47 wards on October 22nd. 
That's right. Uh, you, you may recall that the, the city clerk was very clear that this would create all sorts of havoc. And then when the city solicitor reported back on August 20th as to any legal remedies, uh, the clerk spoke up and said, we've already tried to move over to a 25 ward uh, system. Now, we're not sure, based on these timelines, that we could comply with uh, an order to go back to the 47 ward. So you've got a, a, a real practical issue at play as well. In general, the idea of lining up the wards uh, for all three levels of government for the elections, do you think that's a good idea? Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think what you have to do, Libby, is you have to compare uh, apples with apples and oranges with oranges. So, in the federal provincial ridings, I think, you know, a broader area. Uh, I, I think it, it will work. But when you look at municipalities and you look at the uh, the rate of effective representation, so the ratio of population to elected representatives, Toronto would be completely out of whack uh, if you go to the 25 ward. Uh, boundary system. So uh, if you're comparing apples with apples, then Toronto would be completely, uh, uh, the, the effective representation for Toronto would be completely eradicated compared to other major cities in Canada. But I suppose you could say that there is some, uh, some uh, rationale for just using the same electoral boundaries for all three levels of government. What, why should it all be different? Well, uh, Andrea Horvath pointed out, I think she said it was Brockville that would have negative four councillors, and there are <laughs> municipalities who might have one councillor. Uh, I guess it'd be pretty easy to make decisions that way. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> it would be. Uh, I'm not sure how you could get to it with negative, but um, but yeah, you, it, it, she, she has a point there, because if you go to those, uh, a lot of those smaller municipalities are represented at the federal and provincial levels with their, you know, the, the adjoining municipalities or other or other entities. So uh, there the is the some, some of that, and that's why I said you have to compare apples with apples and oranges with oranges. Uh, yeah, and uh, do you think this move would actually save money? Because I'm assuming that uh, there would be lots of things councillors won't be able to do, but they will need staff for it. Yeah. I, first of all, I don't know where the $25 million number comes from. I don't believe to this date it's been substantiated. So if you get rid of uh, the number of council members, yeah, you might be saving their salaries and any uh, benefits that they may may have. But what about their staff? Will they still be able to cover the, the, a larger area with the same number of staff? No, they probably will have to uh, attain a greater administrative of staff to do that. So you might have less elected representatives, but you might have more administrative staff. So I'm not sure that the $25 million is at all uh, close to what you're going to get. The other question, you know, the the ostensible reason is to make things more efficient. And and it is excruciating to watch those, you know, days-long council meetings. But doesn't that have to do with their procedures? Yes, it does. Um, you have 47 members. And if each member, if you, if you just do the math, Libby, each member, if they only speak two minutes on a matter and everybody speaks, you're at 90 minutes already. So you can see why their, their council meetings go commonly three or four days. And the last time, they actually went six, six days, five and a half days. So it, it is 
a little unusual. You don't have any uh, any other municipality in Ontario of which I'm aware that goes more than a couple of days for a council meeting. So it is very very strange, uh, and yeah, if if you just have that many people and you give each person a voice, even if it's minimal, you're just going to have longer meetings. Yeah, I, I think, you know, even with 25, with 25 people who uh, all want to seem like they're doing something, I, I don't know how you're going to make it that much more efficient. Right. Let's uh, hear from Giovanni in Brampton. Hi, Giovanni. Uh, yes, uh, good afternoon. Uh, I'll just have a little bit of question uh, to the gentleman there that uh, about the council reducing the council in uh, Toronto. Go ahead. And and uh, there is that from uh, forty-seven to twenty-five. Now I think that uh, I think there the councillor and the people working around that they uh, uh, respect the people of Toronto and. Uh, Whatever they say, you know, they try to make their best. Now, if we go to 25, I don't think that they have enough uh, uh, voice uh, to express their way to do it. Now, uh, I'm against it. And uh, if um, uh, the province has decided to go ahead without consulting, I think that's the wrong way to go. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Sir, I think you're you're confirming the position of the city of Toronto and a number of the applicants in tomorrow's uh, uh, tomorrow's court proceedings. They're arguing the exact same points that you've said. Uh, The the question of effective representation will be done away with, and uh, you won't be able to, at the local level, be able to get to your council member as readily as you would if there were more council members. So uh, your your point is well taken, and that's the arguments that are going to be put forward tomorrow by the city and the applicants. And what do you expect? I mean, the, the judge uh, is, uh, you know, speeding this up. How long before we hear an opinion, you think, and what happens after that? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question, Libby. There is a sense of urgency on this, and I think that's why uh, they, they moved it so quickly. And as you probably know, uh, Justice Bellababa was uh, put in, uh, in place for this. He, from what I understand, I've never been before him, he is a very meticulous and organized judge, and he already has refused the province's request to have a little bit of extra time to respond to the avalanche of information they received. And, uh, I think Justice Bellababa said, no, 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 you're, we're going ahead. We're, we need to move ahead with this. So he's already said to the province, no, no delay. So I, he's going to be here tomorrow. I think it's going to be a, a relatively long day. I don't think court's going to finish at 4.30 as it normally does. I think Justice Bellababa will probably sit a bit longer. I don't think, uh, considering the, uh, the, the materials that he's received and and the importance of the matter, I don't think he's going to make a decision on the spot. I think he will think about it, and he may come back relatively soon. And when I say relatively soon, perhaps next week, with perhaps a decision on just what he's going to uh, order, but not actually put it in writing. It might be you know, too, too, too quick. He might say, I'm not going to go ahead with the, with, the, uh, with the application. I'm not going to accede to it, or I will accede to it. Um, and I will give you a written decision within X number of days. I think that's what everyone is expecting, uh, and, but I don't think anyone is expecting a decision on the spot at the end of the day tomorrow. Okay, John Muscarin, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me, Libby. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.